10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Broadcasting live worldwide. Thank you for tuning in to TCN Talk Live Network Radio, America's number one Jewish program. The Talk Line Communications Network proudly presents its flagship program, Talk Line. America's number one Jewish program, the pulse beat of the Jewish community, with Zev Brenner. And now, your host, Zev Brenner. Welcome back to the program, Mom. Zev Brenner, very pleased to have with us right now. Sam Lauder, a nationally recognized pro-Israel activist from San Francisco. He served on the board of Democratic Majority for Israel. For decades, he's been an APAC leader. He also previously worked on the Senate staff for Joe Biden, where he served as a senator's personal assistant. He's a public affairs professional, over 30 years of experience in local, state, and national politics. He's a fifth-generation San Francisco native, and he's worked, on a lot of, worked with a lot of elected officials, including whom I mentioned, Joe Biden. His article in the Ford was, I work for Joe Biden. Here's what he really thinks about Israel. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. What's been the reaction to the article so far? It depends on where you look at the article. Uh, it's in, in the uh, silo that I live in. It's been very positive. Um, people are appreciative of, of hearing a first-hand account on, on how uh, Vice President Biden does feel about Israel and the relationship between Israel and the United States. But I've seen areas and I've seen uh, comments on posts uh, on social media that haven't been exactly, um, shall we say, kind. Um, so I, it's, I think it's the reaction has been reflective of uh, the general nature, the unfortunate general nature of, of combativeness that we're seeing out there in the community. Certainly, there can't be civil discourse, and I think that's really the biggest problem. I don't care if you're pro-Biden or pro-Trump. The problem is there's such a divide, including amongst our people, that that's probably the most troubling aspect of this whole electoral process. It's what, it, it is what saddens me the most. Um, I, listen, I disagree with the policies that the current administration have put forward, although I am very appreciative of many of the things they have done for Israel. But I don't attack people for supporting this administration. That is their, that's their democratic right, and, and people might have priorities that differ than mine or views on those priorities that differ. That's okay. Yeah. That's what this country is about. And uh, it used to be about that we could have civil discussions on them. That just doesn't happen anymore, unfortunately. Would you say that this administration, when it comes to Israel, has been more pro-Israel than any other administration, including when President Obama was president? Uh, I know everybody likes to categorize it that way. I, I would say no, um, because there are different amazing things that have happened with a lot of different 
administrations. I'm rather appreciative of President Truman and his recognition of Israel. Uh, President Clinton was pretty amazing in getting um, uh, peace talks off the ground, and, and which ended up not working, but uh, but also did work with Jordan. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know anyone who thinks that President Nixon was a great fan of our community, but he did end up. Well, he saved Israel during the 1973 Yeah, that's what I'm about to say. With the Yom Kippur War, I I will be eternally grateful for what that administration did for Israel in 1973. So, yes, absolutely, Trump belongs belongs up there. Um, I did disagree with uh, the Obama administration on a lot of the actions they took. I am appreciative of the things they did well. I'm appreciative of the MOU. I'm appreciative that they had the highest uh, the highest spending for security assistance of any administration prior. I I fought them on the JCPOA. While I fought for years to get sanctions implemented so there would be a deal, because that's what our community wanted, was a deal, not a war. That deal, I didn't agree with. I didn't think that was a good deal. So, and, you know, the last act at the UN was, was forever something that I felt tarnished the Obama administration. But there were things they did I appreciated. Well, um, listen, Obama so administration, I, I when it came to the, to the um, missile care for Israel, the Iron Dome system was thanks to Obama. We have to, right? Abs- absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, we also have to remember that the sanctions, that the community that fought for sanctions against Iran tried to convince the Clinton administration to implement them, tried to convince the Bush administration, also a pro-Israel administration, to implement them. And it, and it, they didn't get implemented until Obama was president. And there were some, probably some outside pressures that made that happen. But the reality is it happened then. It happened. There was a lot of tension, so, but this was a good thing. There was a lot of tension and a lot of bad blood, especially between President Obama and Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu. That's legendary, I guess, uh, the bad blood between them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if I should say this in a format like this, but I'm just going to be me and say what I think. They were both toddlers. Both President Obama and Prime Minister Netanyahu were acted like toddlers in that relationship. There was a lot of blame to go around, and neither one of them conducted themselves uh, appropriately. I guess history is going to be the judge of that. Now, you mentioned the Iran deal, and you were opposed Mm -hmm. to it, and, and, and rightfully so. The question, though, is, and you know, and we're going to talk about, you know, your relationship with uh, Vice President Joe Biden. You had a relationship going back mm-hmm. when he was a senator. You were his assistant. Do you think if he gets elected that the Iran deal will be back in business? I think that uh, we should listen to what he has said, which is he would go back into it but improve it. Now, are those improvements going to be the things that I agree with? I don't know. Uh, I Probably do know not. that <laughs> the whole deal well, is. Well, no, they might be. They might be, because he talks about the belligerency that Iran uh, uh, has throughout the region, that that has to be part of it. That was part of the problem, is it didn't address what Iran was doing throughout the region. Um, he, he's talked about some of the things that, that the community felt was missing. Um, now, I also believe it's going to be incumbent on the community to continue to fight for the things that we think should be there. Uh, that's the way things work, is that the community that cares in this country on whatever issue it is has to fight for it. Uh, I do know that the people he listens most closely to on these issues are not the people that will point 
on JCPOA, but some of them were in the administration and did what their boss told them to do. Uh, when your boss is the president, even if you disagree, you do what you're supposed to do. And uh, so I, I do believe he will go back in. I do believe he will, he will improve it. Will he improve it enough? That's still yet to be seen and something that I'm going to be fighting for to make sure he does. Are you going to have any role in the Biden administration should he win? Uh, nothing that I am expecting. Sure, I'd love to be ambassador to Israel, but I don't think I'm on the short list for that one. <laughs> how, about Jewish, you, how about Jewish liaison? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think, I think he's got some young guys who can probably handle that job really well in mind. But his current, his current one on the campaign is a pretty wonderful guy. Uh, who's also a San Francisco native, so I'm biased, but he's a wonderful guy named Aaron Kiak. Yes, who, we had uh, him maybe, on a wonderful maybe he'll be the young man. Yeah, really, truly wonderful. So now you maybe work, he'll be there. Now, you worked with uh, Joe Biden when he was senator, and in your article Correct. you mentioned, we spoke about the Yom Kippur War, and I think part of your article deals with the Yom Kippur War, so let's look at what happened in the Yom Kippur War with Joe Biden and Israel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, he was right, he was there. I mean, that's this was before my time. So these are stories that I know uh, based on on just paying attention to things. But that was well before my time. I was nine years old at home during the Yom Kippur War. Um, although my oldest brother was on a kibbutz during the time, and he called my parents and said, "I'm staying." But I digress. Um, yeah, he his timing of being there was his first trip, and he met Golda Meir and. And uh, did he was, did he talk to you about that? He, he we did talk about it. We had spent a lot of time together, so I learned a lot of, of things, and uh, may not have dived into the greatest of detail. But he did talk about how impressed he was by Gold in My Ear, and how incredibly moving it was, and how it helped uh, further inform his opinion on on the importance of Israel and the importance of the relationship. Um, it was fortuitous timing for him. I mean, while many of us who have visited Israel have been there during a war or a battle, um, I'm sure you have. I've been during six. Uh, it's, it's still quite striking for people to realize that it actually happens. And that really played a great role in, in further developing his sense. But his love for Israel started at his, it literally started at his dining room table growing up with his dad. Um, his dad really strongly, strongly, felt very strongly about Israel and the importance of Israel, which I don't know is a typical thing in the Irish Catholic family at that time. That, that was something they'd think about, but it truly was. I think it's only lately that the Catholic Church has improved its relationship in Israel. When he grew up, it certainly was a different... In fact, the Vatican didn't recognize the state of Israel. Well, at that point, the Vatican wasn't exactly a friend of the Jews. But Correct. Okay, Things have changed in that. So so you yeah. found them to be receptive to Israel, warm with Israel. But yet, when I, when I read through, I think there was some tension though, with him and Menachem Begin. Yeah, that story gets told a few different ways. Um and and I don't know which way of telling that 
this awful tension or it was a discussion between friends that got too public. Um, all I can tell you is that that their friendship didn't suffer. Uh, Menachem Begin thought highly of, of at the time, Senator Biden, and the feeling was mutual. Um, and it, it, it happens. Sometimes friends in frustration get frustrated, uh, in, in passion get frustrated. And, and you know, the way it gets interpreted by those who want to look at it as uh, as a bad thing is that he attacked Begin and Begin stood up. And the way that people like Biden look at it is he actually expressed it as, I'm concerned that. So I think that will be left to people's different passions and interpretations. But what can't be disputed is the relationship between Menachem Begin and Joe Biden didn't suffer at all. Um, and now, I'm going to go what, with that as the important thing. From what year to what year? You, you were, started working in the 80s, I believe, right? From what year to what I, year? I, yeah. I started working for him in late 86 and worked through 1987, at which point uh, when he dropped out of the presidential race, the 88 presidential race, I had already discovered I wasn't a big fan of Washington, D.C., living there. I love visiting. So I wanted to come home to San Francisco. You mentioned I'm a fifth-generation San Franciscan. I'm kind of tied to this place. You like so. it. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's certainly, I guess, um, it's, it's a different lifestyle than Washington, that's for sure. <laughs> it is definitely a different lifestyle. At that point, I was unaware. I had heard rumors that the East Coast, I know that D.C. is somewhat East Coast, but the East Coast and the West Coast were different places, and I thought, oh, come on. America's America. Yeah. There's different places. <laughs> I like San Francisco. Sam Ladder is our guest, a nationally recognized pro-Israel activist from San Francisco, as he just mentioned. He serves on the board of the Democratic Majority for Israel and is a decades-long APAC leader. He previously worked in the Senate staff for Joe Biden, which was what we were discussing. He was his personal assistant, and his article in the forward is called, I Work for Joe Biden. Here's what he really thinks about Israel. We're going to be right back. Don't go away. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. GCN Talk Line Network Radio, America's number one Jewish program. Welcome back to the program, Mom Zev Brenner, Joe Biden and the Jews is what we're looking at. Our guest is Sam Lauder, a nationally recognized pro-Israel activist from San Francisco. He serves on the board of the Democratic Majority for Israel, a decades-long APAC leader. He has worked on the Senate staff for Joe Biden, where he served as a senator's personal assistant from 1986 or 1987. His article in the forward is, I work for Joe Biden. Here's what he really thinks about Israel. So here's what I'm hearing from some people, Sam. Mm -hmm. They're saying, you know, Joe yeah. Biden, maybe he was a good friend of Israel, but he's getting on in years, and you see all the clips online, and they're posted all over about the guffos and the mistakes he's making, and they're talking about the basement, and that he's not really 100% there, that he's getting on in years with dementia, and they say if he gets elected, you know, it's going to be Kamala Harris going to be there, the president, so you're really not voting for him, you're voting for, for Kamala Harris for president. How do you react to that? Well, there's a lot of pieces in that. So let's, let's go with step by step here. Um, Joe Biden is the same Joe Biden. I, it may, I'm thinking that maybe people are just being exposed to him now more. They're paying attention to him more, even 
I think this is a higher profile uh, than even when you're vice president, because when you're vice president, people pay attention to the president. Um, but uh, someone asked me this the other day. I get asked frequently, no, there's no dementia there. I think what people are seeing that they were unaware of is someone who has had a, a lifelong battle against stuttering. Um, we're certainly seeing his stutter quite often, actually. Uh, and and someone who actually makes gaffes all the time. When you're on his staff, you bury your head in your hands and go, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. When you're not on his staff and you like him, you think it's funny. Um, he's, he is a gaff machine. He's always been this way. There's nothing, dementia is not setting in. It's actually kind of insulting all these people presuming it. Now, I am not a doctor. I am not someone who has a medical background who can make that absolute statement. But the absolute statement of, I can make is that this is the same Joe Biden that I've known for all these years. Have you had? Finger. Have you spoken to him recently? Uh, I have spoken to him quite a few times recently, and last time I saw him in person was before the pandemic, uh, when he was out in San Francisco uh, earlier in the campaign. Um, so my interactions with him over the last couple of months have been on Zoom, uh, which seems to be our standard operating procedure these days. But um, I'm, he's, he's Joe Biden. This is Joe Biden from 1986. Uh, it's the same guy. And, and people need to stop with this concern that they're seeing something that has never been there. Uh, that's, that's piece number one. Piece number two, Kamala Harris. So I'm, I'm unclear as to the, the uh, hatred I'm being seen spewed at her on her position on Israel. If you go with the APAC uh, model of vote, uh, voting record, what's important on the voting record, which I do, she's got a perfect voting record. She's, she's been a friend of our communities. Uh, the senator and I have been friends for over 20 years. She's been a good friend of our community that entire time I have known her. She has traveled to Israel. Her Jewish husband, who hadn't been to Israel, she took him there, uh, insisting that he visit Israel so he could see the country, and this is how she phrased it, the country that she loves so much. She's, she is a friend of our community. And I can tell you an APAC story about her that people sure. often, she boycotted APAC in 2019. What people get wrong about that, several things. One, when moveon.org, if not now, pushed out this boycott APAC thing. First of all, none of the candidates were invited to the 2019 policy conference as candidates because that doesn't happen until the even year, the year of the actual election. The people who were invited, the senators that were running and the House members that were running, were invited to meet with their constituents just like any other APAC policy conference, by the way. So people understand that was my, 2019 was my 32nd APAC policy conference. I know wow. how these things work. Now, quite often, because elected officials are busy, they have conflicts. The one time that we offered Senator Harris she couldn't go because she had a committee meeting that she had to attend. So she sent her senior foreign policy staff member. 
which all APAC activists learn in all of our training, that the staff members are just as important. So it was great. But when Move On thanked her for boycotting, which she didn't do, she contacted one of the national board members from San Francisco and me and said, you're putting together a group of APAC leaders coming to my office at a time that I can meet with you. We'll talk about the issues. Then we're taking a photo, and I'm putting it out. This is Senator Harris. I'm putting it out on social media to make it very clear that there's no boycotting at APAC here. This, this is a community that, I, that I, uh, I'm a friend of. And then I want a commitment from you guys that APAC pushes us out on social media that we had this meeting. So that's, that's the, the anti-Israel Kamala Harris. I mean, that, that to me is kind of speaks volumes about the person. She insisted upon this. It wasn't us calling her and saying, we've got to fix this. It was her saying, no, no, no. This is not acceptable. MoveOn.org is not putting me here. So, I, you know, I, I think um, while she is not going to be president, Joe Biden is, I think we should be pretty happy with who the vice president is going to be when it comes to the pro-Israel community. Have you spoken to her recently? Uh, is a month recently. I think the last time I spoke to her was about a month ago. And how does I was curious. How does Joe Biden or Kamala Harris take when they hear this criticism about them vis-a-vis Israel? What's their reaction? I think they shrug because they are as, as elected officials. You learn to take criticism from a lot of people on a lot of issues. That's kind of unfounded criticism. So you know, I I, I don't. They're used to it. And and not just on Israel, they're used to it on a lot of things. I mean, the progressive, the far left community was go, has been going after Kamala because she has a background of a pros, as a prosecutor. I mean, you, you hear it, um, and and you move on, and you just keep going forward with what you believe, and and that's what Joe Biden is doing when he gets the criticism about Israel from people who don't believe he's a friend, and he says. Okay, look at my record, and hopefully you'll you'll understand that what you're saying is not true. Now, there's policy differences. There are people who do not believe in a two-state solution. There's people like me who do believe in a two-state solution, but don't believe that uh, Israel has a partner on the other side of the table. And hopefully, someday, and I hope someday, Israel will have a partner that they can that they can ha- uh, come to a some kind of agreement. Well, what's, um, what's, Senator, what's Joe Biden's position regarding, for example, I think that they now the American government recognizes settlements as part of Israel, Judea and Samaria. Um, they've moved mm-hmm. the embassy, which no administration yeah. has ever done. Uh, even yep. open up relations with the Arab countries. Will that change yeah. under a Joe Biden administration? Well, I'm not sure what will change. There will be some things that change. I'm sure the embassy is not leaving Jerusalem under Joe Biden administration. He has made that very clear. He's also praised uh, the Trump administration on the on the normalization deals and, and peace treaty, which I, I call the first two with UAE and Bahrain normalization, which is fantastic. It's not a criticism. And since Sudan has been in a state of war, I refer to Sudan as a peace treaty. Um, Biden has praised those things and complimented the administration on doing that. Uh, I, I don't know what he's going to say about settlements. He is a, he is an advocate for a two-state solution. He does not, uh, he has in the past been upset about 
uh, announcements about uh, settlement expansion. Um, when he was in Israel that one time and was very critical about a, a specific expansion, Prime Minister Netanyahu was also critical of the timing of the announcement, that it was done in a way that it was embarrassing to the vice president. Uh, they did not have the same vice president and the prime minister had have a much warmer relationship than, than President Obama and the prime minister had. Uh, and that warm relationship continued. Um, so, uh, but I don't know. I don't know if, uh, how how the State Department is going to change in under Biden administration in in how they deal with the expansion of settlements. Because I, I really because, don't. Because there's a video circulating of of uh, Vice President Joe Biden speaking to a Muslim group. In fact, they sent it out, and he says, "When I become president, yes. everything changes day one as far as his relation with the Muslim community and the implications regarding policy in the Middle East." They've sent it out as a change of direction, so people see that and they go, "Hey, what's going on? Everything changes." Yeah. In what way? I've seen that video um, too. It's. I, I think that the everything changes is being purposely overstated. Uh, it, where I think you will see is that it's clear that that the Muslim American Muslim community and this the current administration have not had a friendly relationship, and a Biden administration would be friendly with the Muslim American community. I don't have a problem with that. They're Americans, so I, I I'm I'm okay with that. Um, I do see a lot of a lot of people ask me often, what about that apology to Linda Sarsour uh, after the Democratic National Convention? And I have to explain what actually happened there was an apology from the Biden campaign to the Muslim DNC delegates about the way they harshly talked about their separate event. And it's separate, I mean separate, it was not a DNC event. It was the Muslim delegates having their own thing. But in that apology to them, continued to condemn the positions of Linda Sarsour. But, but Linda Sarsour is, 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 is considered, you know, obviously anti-Israel. She's not a friend of the community. The she fact is. that she has a prominent place, Correct. people get upset. And people said, why didn't Joe Biden himself come out and condemn her? Instead of having a apology because for somebody else. It, no, you know what? Because that's what happens when you have the the person, the presidential nominee, the candidate, um, doesn't deal with all of the issues. You, 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 he wasn't going to escalate it to him. It was like, well, you, someone else deal with it. It's just Linda Sarsour. It's not Linda Sarsour doesn't deserve to have be highlighted by by the guy running for president of the United States. But, here, it's, but it's, here's the issue, Sam. And Sam, frankly, Lattin. in my mind, it's beneath him. Yeah. But here's the thing, and Sam Ladder is our guest, a nationally recognized pro-Israel activist. He worked for Senator Joe Biden, and he's written a fascinating article that worked for Joe Biden that's in the forward. But here's the problem. The Democratic Party is moving to the left, and you have AOC, and you have Elon, uh, and you have others you know, that, are, uh, that are out there that are anti-Israel. And you see there's a growing progressive force in the Democratic Party. And Linda Sassour yep. is associated with them. So when you have yes, that, it's, it's more than just her. It's a wing of the Democratic Party. And they're saying that the Democratic Party, including Joe Biden, has moved more to the left, accepting some of the more progressive ideas of the Democratic Party. And there's a concern so, that when it comes to Israel, that's part of their agenda, too. So, Zev, I'm not, I'm not denying that that wing exists. 
um, it is why Democratic Majority for Israel was founded, because we looked at what happened to the Labor Party in England and said everybody denied it, and then look what happened when no one steps up to fight it. So we created Democratic Majority for Israel to, to fight, and we named ourselves that way because the majority of Democrats are for Israel. So let me, let, let me get more specific to this. The progressive wing lost. They lost in the, their, their two candidates for the presidential nomination, lost. Joe Biden won. The progressive wing, those that care about the U.S.-Israel issue, um, tried to get their way with the national platform. And they lost. And they lost. They lost. And, and Democratic Majority for Israel led the way in pushing back against them. But you know who put down the final word? It was Joe Biden. He said, no, no, no. That's not what our, our platform is going to read this. There's been platform battles at several states and I can't remember all of them, uh, over the U.S.-Israel relationship, including California, which I've been intimately involved with. And guess what? We won at every single one of them. They love to talk about all of their victories in primary challenges, but they lose most of them. Now, we lost a really important one in Elliott Engel, unfortunately, but it didn't have anything to do with the Israel issue. It's the district had changed, and I, I don't know whether... Well, I'll tell you this. I think Jamal Bowman's going to be a friend or not, but, but it's, they keep losing. And, and then let's look at this, the, the three most prominent members of the squad, who are the three that I do not dispute are anti-Israel. With three freshman members out of 61, 61 freshman Democrats from 2018... Now, those three are great at getting press, and, and AOC is brilliant at keeping her name in the spotlight. But let's look at their legislative accomplishments. Nothing. They tried to get a letter that uh, circul they circulated a letter trying to get signatures to say that, uh, that aid to Israel should be conditioned. They got, I think, 11 signatures. I mean, it's not, it's not that they don't exist, and it's not that there isn't a battle. There is. And they're going to grow. We, they are going to grow. And, and that might happen, too. But let's also look at what's going on in New York with Richie Torres. Now, you can't out-progressive Richie Torres, who's going to be the congressman from next door to AOC. Uh, here he is as a young uh, Latino black gay man who is as progressive as they can. And, and he's we interviewed him, and he's, he, we had, he's a champion. Hmm? He's a champion on our issue. So... You can't. The, it's not. It's not. It's not. I don't want people to think I'm denying that it's out there because I joined a group specifically for him to fight them. But you. But, 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 you but you will admit though that Joe Biden's policies have steered to more to the left to accommodate that part of the party. Not on Israel. Not on Israel, but the other issues he has. So the thinking is, if yes. he accommodated right now, will down the road, will he change and try to appease and accommodate that wing of the party? That's what people have expressed concern. Yeah, so I understand that, but let's look at some of the policies where he's he's changed over the years. I mean, you know, he, a, a same-sex marriage, for example, was something that is, his mind changed over the years, seeing things people evolve people 
people change their minds when when logic comes their way. He he just realized that the crime bill that he championed early on wasn't the right answer. So his mind is, but that doesn't mean it's going to be changing on everything. It's it's people people develop different opinions as the years go by uh, on different things. But isn't that people have forced him into this way? He's just Joe Biden being Joe Biden. But you also have to accommodate the growing reality in the party. It's a different party today than it was 20 years ago. And if you're running for office, um, you have to pander more to the left. That's just a given if you're going to be a national prominence in the United States Democratic Party. You have to acquiesce to that wing of the party that needs to be accommodated to whatever degree uh, that they want to. Yeah, see, I don't believe that pandering is the right word. It's sometimes things develop differently. The climate change issue is a big deal because that's the one that's most prominently the progressive wing has been pushing. And and the rest of the party is starting to see it the same way. Uh, And not just that climate change exists, but how to deal with climate change. So, but the Green New Deal that everybody on the right is scared of because it's AOC pushed, really, there's... People can't tell me what the details are. Um, well, and, gonna, and she certainly has. She certainly hasn't had any legislative accomplishments on it. No, so but it, there are people, people are afraid of it. We're out of time. So yeah. unfortunately, almost out of time. Quick okay. question: You mentioned in your article yeah. that he went to Dachau with his children. Which children did Joe Biden take with him to his, Dachau? His grandchildren. He's taking all of his grandchildren, I think, except for the youngest, who will go with him at some point. Um, he's he's. He, he, that's part of their. I forget what age they hit, and then he goes, "Let's we're going." How often? How so often does he go? Is how many grandchildren does he have? I don't okay. remember. How many I was just curious. Sam, it's fascinating discussion as we close out. Uh, just an interesting anecdote that I wanted to share with our audience when we were introduced. Yeah. Um, you said Zev Brenner. Zev Brenner was a close friend of my mother's, and from San Francisco. It turns out that it wasn't me, right? No, it was not you. It was not you. You are considerably younger than this Ed Brenner would be. <laughs> but I believe he was a professor at a college in California. For my at UC at UC Berkeley, a brilliant man and a great scientist. Sam Louder, I want to thank you for being with us. He's a nationally recognized pro-Israel activist from San Francisco. He served on the board of the Democratic Majority for Israel, decades-long APAC member, and he previously worked for Senator Joe Biden in the 1980s. His article, which I recommend you read, it's in the forward. It's called, I Work for Joe Biden. Here's what he really thinks about Israel. Thank you for being part of our broadcast. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And we're going to be right back. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please become a fan of Talk Line with Zeb Brenner on Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+, and YouTube. On Twitter at TalkLine Network, if you have an Android phone, please download our free app in the Google Store. For iPhones, download the Jewish Radio app. Of course, tune in 24 hours a day at TalkLineCommunications.com for nonstop Jewish broadcasting.